Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Welcome into Circle City Cinema, the finale of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm here to review it with my good friend and the founder one last time. Alex Burr. Uh, Zach, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. It, it, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier wasn't a, the same ride that WandaVision was because obviously I had to take a couple weeks off. But, you know, <laughs> I, I still enjoyed the show. I still enjoyed the show. It wasn't the same ride uh, mentally either. Trying oh, to keep no. up uh, with every little detail, you know? Every little theory. I mean, Zach, I don't know. I thought John Walker might be Mephisto. So. <laughs> You know, I thought Carly, you know, red hair could be something that could be something to it. No, I thought she was going to be uh, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, I thought she, I thought she was going to be Reed, <laughs> Rita Richards or something like that. It's a good guess. It's a really good guess. <laughs> uh, but Alex, you know, we got to do it. We got to hit the news. And the biggest news this week, without a doubt, is the Oscars that happened on Sunday. Uh, did you watch it, Alex? I did not. Um, I was entranced by the boys, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Ah. But I was like, you know, Zach, I know you love the Oscars, so no offense, but I spend my week obsessing over basketball. So I'm like, I'm going to take a day. Oh, I don't take offense. To just, to just watch what I want to watch. So I would, I just binge the boys all day. So that was that was my day on set, on Sunday. I don't take offense. I obsess over over this stuff, over movies. I I think about it all day because I'm a degenerate. <laughs> just like you think about basketball all day, I'm sure. Oh man, just wait till you just wait till you hear my thoughts this week on uh on Jaden McDaniels on the Timberwolves, you know, real wow. real intense thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I did watch it because I'm filthy and it was I'm pretty sure this was like the I don't know how many years in a row I've watched it. I try. I always, I always try and make time to watch it because I that. I know I spend a lot of time slamming them, Alex, but I, they are important. Uh, it is the biggest night in Hollywood every year, so I just, I like to watch it. I like to see all the movie stars in one place. What can I say? It's like one of those things, right? Like it shouldn't matter as much as it does, but especially with how long the Oscars have been around, it's a cultural touchstone at this point. Like, of course, people are gonna best picture. Even best picture, right? And obviously, we all know <laughs> Forrest Gump over Pulp Fiction and Shawshank. <laughs> we all we all know that's not always the case, right? But and that, that's no shots. Although I do like to frequently take shots of Forrest Gump. It's not really a shot at Forrest Gump. It's a very good movie. It just shouldn't have won. Shakespeare over Private Ryan. Um, Dances with Wolves over Goodfellas. <laughs> the first Running Hook Oscars gripe. Yes, the very first one. The very first one back in uh, last, well, I don't know, last uh, I think it's May. almost been a year. Yeah, I think it has been uh, almost a year since the Goodfellas pod. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the thing, right? Like, it's not always the best movie, but it, it still carries cachet because it, like, it means something to have won Best Picture. And then if you didn't win Best Picture and you were the superior film, then you can say, oh, Goodfellas didn't even win Best Picture, right? So it can kind of be a double-edged sword there. So I think that it's interesting. The Oscars are still important in spite of what a lot of people say. 
They are, and the viewership would say otherwise. I mean, this, they had a record low viewership uh, on Sunday. It's the lowest uh, they've ever had. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. A lot of people, like... Uh, I think, uh, let's be honest, one of the reasons is the, all the political stuff at the Oscars, and a lot of people tune out because of that. But <laughs> You're uh, saying they should stick to sports, Zach? <laughs> just shut up and dribble, all right? Just shut up and dribble. <laughs> But another reason is people are just cutting the cord, Alex. Like they don't have live TV to to get a, to get ABC and watch the Oscars. Like you know what I I, I texted you what I had to do mm-hmm. to get it because in in my room I have a smart TV. I don't have cable. I dug out an antenna from my basement and caught it <laughs> over the air. <laughs> I mean, ser- like seriously though, I don't have cable either. I live by myself. And last year during the finals, I'm like, I want to actually catch these finals live instead of having to stream them. So I went out and I bought an antenna. Yeah. Right. You do it. But it's like, I think it's a lot of things, right? The TV viewership is just down all across the board, right? We see it in sports. The only thing I'm pretty sure the Super Bowl was down compared to previous years. I don't quote me on that, but I think you're right, though. People are just stuck inside their houses. They don't want to watch TV right now. (laughs) Right. And then add to the fact that it really felt like I was shocked they even could compile an Oscars because it really felt like there were no movies that came out this year. I was surprised they found nine Best Picture nominees. Yeah. You know, like I know that they had the movies that come out to streaming, right? But going to the movies is an event. And like, even if it's like a small movie, right? Like, let's just go with one in the past. Hell, Parasite, right? Sure. Parasite gets a lot of word of mouth. Like, oh, this movie's really good. You should go see it. And then it builds a lot of hype that way. We didn't have this year. Movie theaters were closed for the most part. And if they, nobody was going to movie theaters. So I think it's a, it's not just one thing, right? Like, I think it's a lot of complications of factors, right? Like, I just think people didn't care about the movies that came out this year. Frankly speaking, I just think, you know, how many people are actually paying for HBO, right? How many people are paying money on Disney to buy Soul, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of, varying factors and i think once movies movie theaters are back open for good because nobody wants to do the streaming at home thing (laughs) no the movie theater is a much more appealing option and that's why you see like marvel keep pushing off the um off the movies like the black the black widow movie the shang chi and the Etern. i'm messing that up the shang chi and legend of the ten rings the eternals like those movies keep getting pushed back because they want to delay it for the movie theater opening because then that's how they get back in the cultural zeitgeist so i think once i think this was just a bad year in terms of all the factors right like plus like i felt like a bunch of people went saw once upon a time in hollywood last year right yeah like what movie was like once upon a time in hollywood this year there's none and i'm glad you brought up last year because Last year, I thought it was the best movie year of that decade. I thought that Oscars was totally loaded in every category. And there were a lot of culturally impactful movies. Joker, Once Upon a Time, uh, Parasite, Irishman. Like, people went to the movies last year. They saw those movies in the theater. I know I did. And not, not even counting the Oscar-nominated ones, Endgame, John Wick 3, you know, movies like that that came out. So, Us. You know, right. all those movies that weren't nominated. So I thought last year was just a great year and there just wasn't, there just wasn't a movie like, to your point, once upon a time, there wasn't a movie like Joker, you know, there wasn't, there just weren't movies like that. 
Yeah, and it's like not really anybody's fault, right? Because this the last year threw a monkey wrench into a lot bigger things than just the movie theater, right? But that's that's like what makes the product struggle, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna compare it to the NBA because the NBA they always get talked about the ratings. But like, think about the product for basketball, right? Like, what makes it exciting, Zach? What made the Kawhi Leonard shot exciting against the Sixers? Because it bounced four times. It bounced four times, and the uh, the crowd was holding their crowd went crazy. And you can't have a full crowd this year. The announcers went crazy. Right, exactly. And it's the people are very much creatures of habit, right? Like they don't like the things changing in front of them. And obviously this isn't going to be a permanent change. Nobody wants them to things to be this way. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sick of hearing movies aren't going to bounce back from movie theaters aren't going to bounce back. They're going to bounce back. Okay. It does. I saw an interview with Steven Soderbergh like a week ago and he has like no concern over movie theaters being endangered. He's just like, we make movies to see them in theaters, you know? Once I'm double backs in your future, I am probably going to start seeing movies in movie theaters again. I haven't seen one since I don't think 2019. I don't think I've gone to a movie theater since. You know what I think the last movie I saw in theaters was? Oh, God. The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, wow. Man. That's a year and a half. Yeah. And I'm really mad that that's my last movie I saw in a movie theater. (laughs) It sucked. It sucked. Like the movie theaters are expensive, right? And I think that's maybe one thing I hope that changes. Just, you know, personally speaking, right? Because you go to a movie theater and you're spending, like if you go with two people, you're spending like $50, $60. You know, like two tickets to a movie theater, to a nice movie theater. Coke, dude. Right. Coke is like six bucks for a small. Exactly. (laughs) Like that's one thing I maybe hope changes, right? Like we, we adjust our way back into it, but I, I think the opposite might happen where they bump up prices, but I, I don't like, I want movie theaters to come back. And when I can, I'm going to go, you know, hopefully I wins black widow supposed to come out. Do you, it's like July, isn't July it? Uh, six, I believe. Don't, don't quote me on that. Zach, when many saints in Newark comes out, <laughs> like you're coming over and we're going to watch it. I don't care how much it costs. Or if it's in the theater. That's going. what I'm saying. It's We're going to, by the time it comes See, out. See, that's the, the mindset I'm in. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it at home. I'm not watching it at home. No. <laughs> oh, I'm going to the theater if I can. The Regal over here in Greenwood's open. <laughs> exactly. So I f- I'll feel a lot better once I'm double vaxxed. I'm sure. Because that's the other thing too, right? Like I can't imagine even when everybody's all vaxxed that they're going to feel 100% safe going to theaters, right? So It'll, in a kind of weird way, it'll be safer to go to a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, well. You know, like, because we'll have all the cautious people like, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a good time, Zach, this summer. It is. And I, I just want to give my quick thoughts on the ceremony that happened on Sunday. Uh, speaking of Soderbergh, he produced the ceremony this year. Uh, I thought it was really entertaining. It literally looked like a movie. Uh, Regina King walked into Union Station from uh, the street and into, into the room they were in, and that was pretty cool. Uh, only the nominees and their families were there, so it was safe in that in that uh, aspect. But I, I, thought just, I just thought it was a really fun show, and I thought it, getting rid of the musical numbers, which I think is everybody's biggest complaint, was a hell of an idea. And, of course, Steven Soderbergh was the one that said, hey, how about we stop this? 
I have a question for you, Zach. I I do. So yeah. you watch the ceremony, and they like they had they had best actor last, and it seemed like yeah, Chadwick Boseman, and it didn't, and it went to your boy Sir Sir Anthony Hopkins. I don't know if he's a sir or not. I I'm just gonna assume all British. Sir. He, I'm, I just assume all British actors are sirs because who the fuck else deserves um, <laughs> royalty titles, right? But so it seems like they're doing this huge buildup to to Chadwick Boseman. And then when that doesn't happen, what is the, like the experience of watching that like? Because I'm that had to be fast, like a fascinating experience. That was well, it felt like the whole because usually best pictures last because best picture is the big one. And that's the one most of the people care about. I think the I think Cooper brought this up in another pod, but he said the one exception he could think of was when uh, DiCaprio won his Oscar. They saved Best Actor for last, and that's kind of what this felt like. Uh, not because Bozeman never won, but because you know he died, and this would be like a nice send off. But uh, we we predicted in our pod if he got upset, it would be Hopkins. Because Hopkins was just dynamite and the father. I didn't think Bozeman should win just because of the circumstances around it. I thought he was better in Ma Rainey than Hopkins was in the father. I mean, he he has a monologue in Ma Rainey that is just like unlike anything he's ever done, ever. And I just thought, wow, he's gonna win the Oscar now. And that's what that's what it all felt like. You know, Joaquin comes out, last year's winner. He's he's gonna give it to Chadwick's family, and that's gonna be that. And it ended so awkwardly because he says Anthony Hopkins for the father, and Anthony Hopkins isn't even there. Right. <laughs> he's in uh I think he's in France or something. I think he, they said he was in Wales or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the show just ends. It goes to the credits, and it's like, I let out an audible, like, whoa, what? And that was it. The show just ended. It was it was like the Sopranos ending. Just cut the black. It was over. <laughs> Zach, were you calling your uh, cable company to make sure your HBO, <laughs> or to make sure your cable was still working? Messing with my antenna, trying to figure it out. <laughs> but it, it, it was, it seemed... it was the ahead, most shocking ahead. Oscars moment, besides the Moonlight La La Land mix-up that I can think of. I think that was the last one I watched live. Well, you picked a hell of a time to watch one live. <laughs> I know. That was, so I was like, wait a minute, what? But it was it was it, just it was just shocking. Speaking who of the Kawhi was, shot, it was like that. Because <laughs> they were like, it's mo- it's a uh, it's La La Land. Wait a minute, no, it's not. And who was who was the dude? Because he totally left. Uh, I don't remember who was presenting the award, but the Warren dude Beatty. Warren Beatty and who else? Who else was presenting it? Because Warren Beatty totally left her out there. Oh, Faye Dunaway. She he totally left Faye Dunaway out there to just deal with all the backlash. <laughs> he just was like, "Nope, I'm fucking out of here." And then Beatty got blamed, even though he was handed he got handed the best actress envelope. So he got blamed for that, but no, it was just genuinely shocking. Uh, I'm not upset. Hopkins won. I, I wanted Bozeman to win. Be, number one, because I thought he was better. I thought he was legitimately the best actor this year. And number two, it just would have been it just would have been a nice story. But uh it wasn't I mean, in a night full of surprises, I mean there were a lot of upsets. I didn't expect Mang to win anything. Uh just because for some reason the hype train had just slowed way down. But uh it did. It won two. Uh my boy Soul 
won some awards. Trent Reznor won his uh, second Oscar for best original score. So you love to see it. But uh, it was other than the disappointing finish, I guess you could call it. It was a very enjoyable ceremony. And I hope I hope Soderbergh comes back to produce it next year. But uh, moving on to good things we've seen lately, Alex, uh, you got one. Well, I got well, first of all, I want to shout out the Watchmen series. Speaking of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, they scored the Watchmen series on HBO. And it's like so well done. Just like on like because I've never seen a bad score from them. And like the Lords of I've, score like they they legitimately might be the best. And that's saying something in like <laughs> an era with like Hans Zimmer. <laughs> right. <laughs> like they're that good. So shout out to them. But huge shout out. Um. So first of all, see episode seven of Invincible. Great episode. Uh, Zach and I, I, Zach, I implore you <laughs> to I know, watch I know. I, Invincible. I, I'm going to start uh, this weekend, hopefully. Oh, that'll, that'll get time. Exciting. I'm going to plow excited. through all of them. So, yes, because the finale is this Friday. So make sure you check that out. And then um, The Boys. I watched all of season one of The Boys this weekend. I watched the first episode last weekend. <laughs> And then I watched all the rest of season one this weekend. And let me tell you, it is absolutely fucking phenomenal. What a concept. <laughs> like, just like turns like the absolute worst side of superheroes you could imagine and just make it 10 times worse. Just like they're absolutely fucking awful people that care nothing about the average person. And they only they're they're all surrounded by publicists. They're all surrounded by um there's not there's like maybe one good person on the show (laughs) yeah and that's it and i know zach you've seen a little bit of it but it's just like really amazing like to just watch everyone be a fucking shitty person (laughs) for whatever reason (laughs) so i can't recommend the boys enough and then also i did start before we recorded this episode i watched two episodes of harley quinn on hbo max very very entertaining show so far um I'll really, I've obviously when you're animated show, you can have a lot more star-studded cast, but it's just really entertaining cast. I think Kaylee, whoever the girl was on the Big Bang Theory, I don't know how to say her last name, but it's a uh, Quoco, something like yeah, Quoco. That sounds right. She's the voice of Harley Quinn, and then um, Alan Tudyk is like the voice of the Joker. Very, very entertaining nice. cast. I can't wait to dig into it more. It's gonna be like my brainless show. But what have you, what have you been watching, Zach? Well, today I I've been on a Pixar kick, so I rewatched uh, Onward. First time I've seen it since uh, since it came out. It came out at literally the worst possible time. It came out on March 6, twenty twenty. Alex. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. You couldn't cook up worse timing if you tried. No, you couldn't. You really couldn't. Um, just a nice. I think Pixar. I mean, if you listen to this pod, you know what I think of Pixar. I think it, I think they're I think they're the most creative studio working today. I really do. Um, and I just thought Onward is a great uh, father and son story and a brother story. Uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland play the, the play the two brothers, and uh, it was Julia Louis Dreyfus plays their mom. It was great. It was great. It was great. It was it was awesome. I don't know what else to say. It's Pixar. It's Onward. <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus is pivoting to uh to Disney, huh? <laughs> She's in the bag for Disney. Hey, when you've won like seven best uh comedy actresses, you can do what you want. I think you have the cachet to just say, nah, I want to cash some checks now. I'm sure that <laughs> Veep was paying her Veep and HBO were paying her a very nice salary, but 
time to move on to to other things. <laughs> uh, but what I'm going to see, Alex. Speaking of movie theaters, I'm going back to the movie theater on Friday for the first time since I saw Tenet in the theater, which I believe was last September. And I'm going to see Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh no! This just this should be fascinating. <laughs> I don't care if it's bad. I'm I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan. Uh, I had the two games I played. I think it was Mortal Kombat uh, 9 was the reboot. I played that a lot when I was a kid. And uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC. Of course, I played that. So uh, I don't care if this movie sucks because, quite frankly, the 90s movie sucked and I love it. So I don't, I just, this is more about getting back in the theater than it is about seeing a Mortal Kombat movie. So I, I also have to add before we move on. I didn't watch it this week, but I watched this last week. I totally forgot to mention it. I watched Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, yeah? It. <sighs> Listen, I don't go into these movies for the plot, right? Like, why should I give a shit about the plot? It's... If you do, you're you're <laughs> you're misguided because I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> My issue was is that there was too much plot. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, I have you seen it, Zach? No. Did it take itself too seriously? Yeah, kind of, like oh. there was this really weird podcast plot, like oh, where, oh. where like conspiracy <laughs> podcast, right? And then there was this, like, it just had too much plot. I don't give a shit about a plot. I'm here to watch Godzilla and King Kong fight. I'm not like, <laughs> listen, I don't come into every moving ex- movie expecting Casablanca, right? I, I, I can't have that expectation. Sure. I don't come in expecting, you know, the Godfather or hell, Goodfellas. You know, sometimes I just want to watch two things beat the shit out of each other. And that movie did not have enough of Godzilla and King Kong beating the shit out of each other. And let's face it, I didn't want Godzilla to win, but I knew Godzilla would win. And Godzilla washed King Kong every time they fought. I'm sorry. <laughs> and like, listen, it was kind of predictable, you know, and the movie was very was very stupid and the action scenes weren't good enough. Like out of out of four, I'd give it a two. Two stars. Oh, you know what it sounds like, Alex? Just based on everything you said. What does it sound like? Batman versus Superman. Oh, I mean, <laughs> not enough of the two guys fighting each other. <laughs> I think I probably enjoyed Godzilla versus Kong more than Batman oh! versus Superman. <laughs> Low blow. <laughs> I did not like Batman versus Superman. I can't remember the plot of it at all, but I did. I just know I hated watching that movie in the theaters. Like I was like, this is so stupid. It can't be this bad. It can't be. It can't be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Alex, let's get into why we're here. The the plot of the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale. Um, as usual, folks, I'm going to run through these. Major plot lines, and then we'll get into it in depth. So first off, we got the GRC under siege. Uh, the Carly and the Flag Smashers are raining hell on all the members of the GRC. Uh, Sam hits uh, hits the screen with his new Captain America look. Bucky has a little heartfelt phone call with Carly. Turns out to be the last time uh, they talk. And Sam saves uh, the helicopter in a really epic sequence. Uh, John Walker shows up with his uh, Dollar Tree store-bought shield. He and Bucky team up against some Flag Smashers. John uh, saves a van of hostages, or at least tries to. And then Sam and Bucky and John chase after Carly. Uh, Sharon confronts Carly and... She's revealed to be the power broker. That will be a big discussion we have later. 
Uh, Sharon then kills Batrock and kills Carly, who is about to kill Sam. Sam then dunks on GRC council members, absolutely dunks on them for what seemed like 10 minutes straight. <laughs> it, it did run a little long, to be fair, to be fair, but I, I think the point was necessary. I find it a little hard to believe that he just had that all in his back pocket, uh, that that was just off the cuff. <laughs> Listen, you know, I mean, you got suspension of disbelief, Zach, suspension of disbelief. Fine. That's fa- fine. Whatever. That's fair. <laughs> Then we get uh, Isaiah approving of Sam taking up the cat mantle and Zemo's butler uh, (laughs) takes out the rest of the flag smashers. I thought that was a senator. That makes sense. (laughs) That makes more sense. Contessa, speaking of JLD, fits strong Walker with the U.S. agent suit. Bucky confesses to his neighbor that he murdered his son, which uh, Alex, we predicted that was going to happen. And then Sam visits Isaiah one last time in what uh, might be one of the most powerful scenes in the MCU we've had so far. And then Sharon in a PS scene is pardoned as everyone is and given a government job. So Alex, we'll start with the GRC under siege. First off, uh, what are your thoughts on Sam's new look here? I thought it was cool. I, I like cool I like the white suit a lot more than the the suit he had before. I thought that it was I thought it fit well, right? It looked and we kind of we kind of all knew that was what was in the um, briefcase he opened last week. Yeah, we knew it. But to see it so soon in the episode, I thought it was like you know a great reveal <laughs> to have right at the beginning of the episode. So out of ten, I'd give it like an eight point five. I thought it did. It's really good. And I thought, you know, like, it's not perfect, right? It's not my favorite MCU suit. But I think that, you know, it's it's good. It's good. I re- It's really good. What is your favorite MCU suit? <sighs> That's tough. Pro- I like the Captain America, like the late stage, um, the late stage cap uniforms when, like, when he's in Wakanda. Ah, right. Infinity like, I War. really, yeah, I like the Infinity War cap costume um this is tough because i'm on the spot i really like the iron spider suit oh yeah that's great notice all these are coming from infinity war i think they put all the coolest ones in infinity war on purpose um the iron spider in the spider-man game is badass as well oh yeah all this my favorite oh man (laughs) i like the noir one because it reminds me of the nicholas cage character (laughs) in (laughs) spider-verse I burn a match to the end of my hands just so I can feel something, anything. <laughs> That's a movie I got to watch again. I love that fucking movie. That movie's awesome. <laughs> the Nicholas Cage, can we, I know this is a, a quick aside. Nicholas Cage absolutely hits a fucking home run in that movie. You know like, I'm oh, here for Nicholas Cage praise. <laughs> like, he just absolutely hits it out of the park. It's like, I'll t- I'm taking this cube back with me. I don't know what it is, but it fascinates me. I mean, the Rubik's Cube back in his... It's the only thing in color back in his universe. He just... I could talk about Nick Cage for... I mean, hell, I, I talked about him on the Snyder Cut monologue for a long time. <laughs> oh, man. that What a great Nick Cage performance in the great Snyderverse. Movie, great but movie. What's your favorite uh, MCU suit before we move on? Uh, I, I think... Uh... Iron Man suit in Infinity War was really cool. I forget which mark that was. What do you remember? 
I don't remember, but I I was gonna say Iron Man and Infinity War too. So yeah. that adds up. Like that was really a suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really a great suit. It was like a lot, all the other characters, you know, haven't had like really <laughs> super great costumes. Yeah, I mean Black Widow. There's some. There's only so much you could do. Hawkeye, you know. But uh... as if I'd ever choose Hawkeye for one of these things. <laughs> Hawkeye takes an absolute beating on this podcast. I think you might have logged off if I said Hawkeye was my favorite suit. I think you Yeah, I, pro- I probably would have off. said just ask Bryce to finish the show. <laughs> uh and I you know, I have to go with my boy Doctor Strange. I mean the cape. The cape, folks. You just can't beat the cape. The gloves, it's, it's, the new gloves. This is awesome. <laughs> it's a really great costume, but I had to bring this up because it was funny. I was talking to my girlfriend today. She's watching Grey's Anatomy. And she's like, you know, if you think about it, surgeons have to be really careful with what they can do with their hands, because if they mess up, they, you know, they can't do surgery again. I'm like, isn't that the plot of Dr. Strange? (laughs) (laughs) It is. It actually is. It's literally the plot of Dr. Strange. (laughs) So shout out to her. But I I thought that was funny that you mentioned Dr. Strange. (laughs) But I like I like Sam's new suit. I thought. That was a really natural look. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, look at us talking fashion on Circle Z Cinema. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? You know, I'm wearing a hoodie and shorts, and I don't know what you're wearing. So. <laughs> I'm wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, Bucky has a nice little phone call with Carly. I don't know if I. Uh, I don't know if I call it nice, but uh, Alex Bucky references his kind of two quote-unquote deaths here. The when he was taken in by Hydra and when he actually died in Infinity War. Uh, what what did you make of this phone call? Because I thought I thought it was really heartfelt on Bucky's part, actually trying to get through to Carly, but it just it's going nowhere fast. I mean, I think this is a phone call that shows Bucky's growth. He's grown a lot in this series. And yes. I think that this is kind of it kind of crests in this moment, right? Where he can, you know, be like, Carly, this isn't worth it. And obviously she doesn't heed his call because, uh, well, obviously she doesn't make it out of the season alive, but (laughs) I thought it was good that he, like he's showing some compassion and not just trying to make amends for the sake of making amends. He's trying to actually make things better. So I I thought that was good on that part. Yeah, it totally was. And you're right. He's grown a lot, not just in the MCU, but in this show alone. I mean, at the, you know, at the beginning of the show, him and Sam <laughs> were not, uh, I don't even know if they were on speaking terms before they met up, you know? The first thing Bucky says when uh, he meets up with Sam is like, why did you give up the shield? Yeah. Not so how like, you doing, not uh, what's going on in life. Like, where's the shield, not, dude? <laughs> not like, how's uh, how's your sister doing, you know, <laughs> which I'm sure he would ask at the end of the show either way, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he probably, he probably would. <laughs> Uh, and then you see Carly Alex is starting to lose uh, some faith with her followers. Yeah, I mean she's turning into a genocidal maniac, which you know tends to be the the recourse of all these Marvel villains. Yeah, <laughs> you know they're just like, oh hey, we're gonna be complete pieces of shit after having some semblance of morals. <laughs> like, but I thought that it was interesting that none of the people. Because what it's one world, one people, and she was saying one world, and she had to say it like four times before anyone said it. Right, said one people. So I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that she's quickly losing steam with her followers. It was very interesting. Uh, some Alex, some Thanos parallels with Carly here. 
in terms of uh, wiping out a certain part of the population. I mean, in Carly's case, it was only like five people. So let's not go that far, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Carly was... I mean, Carly may have preferred... Listen, Carly may have been a huge Thanos fan. You never know. You know, like she might have had posters of him on her wall. Had his his shoes. (laughs) The Thanos X5s or something like that. Thanos merch in her room. The Thanos Thanos Six Stones. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. Thanos might have a fan club, but it, Thanos signed a um before he left Earth, he signed a contract, he signed a shoe deal with Nike. <laughs> and his kids are rich off the residuals. <laughs> Gamora. Well, Gamora's dead. So Nebula. She's, she's not seeing any of the royalties. Nebula, yes. Nebula Although I, I doubt that Thanos would leave Nebula any royalties, but you know, who's to say? Who's to say? I would hope so. Who knows? Uh, and then Sam saves the people in the helicopter in a truly epic sequence. Alex, this was kind of a callback to the pilot episode, how that started. I mean, we, we got to jump back a step, though, Zach, because this is the scene where John Walker redeems himself. He, you know, he comes up against comes up against Carly and he tries to basically tries to kill them all. But then, you know, Carly starts to drive the van off and she she hops out of the van while it's going over the edge. And then John Walker comes up to the van and he tries to save the van. He himself. makes a choice. Yes. He, choose, he has to choose between saving the van and uh, killing Carly. And he chose to save the van. Yes. And then Sam, because um, as much as John tried, he wasn't really doing much, right? Like he had the serum, sure. But it was pretty much over the edge. It would have been impossible for him to save. So Sam had to come in and, you know. And he had some and, flag smashers on his ass. Him and the new Red Wing... Red Wings, they came and they helped save the van. And this is this is my question for you, Zach. I don't know if this. Let me check if this later in the doc. Um, or I'll save the question then. But it's a curious question about Walker. Yes, I and, know you're gonna ask. Like it's just tough, but he does. Um, he does choose to be a hero, and I think it's you know, I think on some level it's cool. So it's telling, maybe where he's headed. You know exactly. So let's go ahead. <laughs> so um. After that happens, after Sam saves the van, there's a really cool sequence where he throws the shield and knocks out like 12 flag smashers. Yeah, because uh, for a second, you think it's uh, for a second, I, at least the first time I saw it, I thought it was Walker. But then it was Sam and I was like, good, good. <laughs> he throws the he throws the shield and then he knocks out like 10 guys and then him and Carly are getting ready to fight. And then someone throws us like smoke grenades in there and that someone has to be i it had to have been sharon right like yeah. there's no way there's no way it wasn't sharon and yeah. then you know they, they all separate and then so sam bucky and john chase after carly and then sharon and batrock i mean after um after sharon confronts carly carly says you're the that's why you're the power broker <laughs> in like one of I one of the worst reveals, Zach. It was it was really bad. Literally saying the name to the person, <laughs> like it was. Oh, it it's was, Sharon, <laughs> the power broker. <laughs> I, that was the only time in the series when I was like, "Just kill me, just kill me now." Please. It was really bad. But then Batrock comes in <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, you're the power broker. I want four times." And then. 
Uh, yeah, Zach, I mean, let's just talk about that for a second. That reveal was just awful. Just awful. It was handled horribly. Uh, it was handled horribly. Number one, we kind of touched on this last last week, I think, uh, What how we would feel if uh, this came to fruition, if Sharon was revealed to be power broker, and it's happened. And I'm not as mad as I thought I would. I thought I'd be because on the one hand, we were kind of expecting it, right? But... They had they didn't make her objective as the power broker like really clear. It they made it seem like she recruited the flag smashers, but they got a little too radical for her liking and she like broke off from them or they broke off from her, whatever. So I'm I'm still not sure about her motivations. I'm still not sold that she's totally bad, but I'm still not a fan of the decision in the writer's room to make to make her the power broker i i texted you it should have been batrock because we have a history of batrock as a bad guy why not just make him the power broker you know i mean i don't feel like we have the same kind of history with batrock though i mean what he's only in the winter soldier right like he was that's it but he's an established bad guy right sharon is literally like in the peggy carter family tree peggy carter the wife of captain america like dude what you, what's going on in that writer's room? That's all. That's all I want to know. I hated it too. <laughs> it seemed real cockamamie, right? Just like, oh, hey, we're gonna make Sharon the power broker, and we're not gonna explain how, and we're not gonna explain why. We're not gonna explain any of her motivations. And this is where, okay, this show would have probably benefited from an extra two episodes. Sure, like a Wandavision length. Exactly where. Because this is the thing, right? They're trying to fit these shows into these six-hour time frames, which I understand. You know, you don't have like a you don't have a movie budget, whatever. But at the same time, some like these stories need more time to breathe, right? Like this episode in particular felt like it moved at a lightning speed. Like I was done with the ep- like I had I was forty minutes in and it felt like I was watching for twenty, <laughs> right? I got the same like, feeling when I rewatched today. Yeah, exactly. Like it was like I got to the um to the Isaiah at the museum scene, and it I think that's the forty minute mark, and I was like, "What the fuck? There's there's no way this moved this quickly." Yeah, <laughs> but this is the problem when you have to tie up all these loose ends in the la- like. Okay, we're gonna go to the wire, Zach. Right. So they gave David Simon the option to make it eleven episodes, and in season five, it probably should have been eleven episodes. But in spite of it not being eleven episodes. The last episode was an hour and a half long. Right. Like it wasn't, you know, like a short, it was a shorter season compared to other seasons of The Wire, but it's still, it could have been longer. Yeah. But it's still effectively told the story that it needed to tell. Like this, like it needed like another hour probably because I just, I felt like this, the show just wrapped too quickly. Right. Like I felt like, cause I'm going to be honest, Zach. The Flag Smasher plot just didn't do it for me in the show. And I, I wanted to get behind it. Just it was rushed and it really didn't feel like their hearts were in the Flag Smasher plot. And I I wish it was longer because I the Flag Smashers are intriguing villains to me, but I it just felt like their hearts weren't in it. I agree on this on this part of it, in that the only flag smasher we got to know was Carly. Feel like if we got to know some of her sidekicks, you know, maybe we'd feel, 
you know, feel their pain when she's like turning on them, but didn't get that. And part of that is the six episode constraint, you know, part of it is the show's not about them, but right. I agree. I agree. It seemed, seemed a little rushed, seemed, I don't want to say half-assed, but it's, it seemed a little rushed. Cause like the power broker is supposed to be a big deal, right? Yes. Like, in the comics, I'm pretty the power broker is I, I don't know the history of it, so you would probably have to explain it for me, but I I'm forget his name, but he's he's a male in the comics. And he is talked about in the way that Sharon was talked about before she was revealed to be the power broker. So he's he's very powerful. I'm not assuming that this is a character to be trifled with, right? But and I'm not saying that Sharon killed a couple of people in this episode. I'm not saying she's to be trifled with. But I'd like to know her motivations. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We don't. I'm not sure what her motivations are. Even that phone call in the PS scene, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Well, number one, who's she calling? Who's on the other line? Okay. <laughs> and number two, what? Why are you going after the government? Because they made you screw off for a few years. Like, is she I just working? don't. I just, if that's her motivation, that's not strong enough for me personally. Is she working with Contessa? Like, we don't know. I don't know. Like, and that's the other thing too. This Contessa reveal, like, she has like two two scenes, and that's it. Yeah. And I know she's she's probably gonna have a bigger role in the Black Widow movie. I think that's that's what they were saying. I think she's in the Black Widow movie. That makes sense. But, but man, it just feels like this is all so. It's again, the six hour constraint is more hurtful. You can't put a cap on how long you want your content to be. Your content needs to be like just in general, right? Podcasts, articles, whatever. Yeah, probably some could be cut off of it, but you can't go into something saying this has to be 3000 words or else, right? This has to be an hour or else, right? It can't be any longer. It can't be any shorter. You can't put caps on that kind of stuff. You need to let it run free. And if it's like, if you can get it done in seven hours, then get it done in seven. If you can get it done in 10, get it done in 10. If you can get it done in three, just make a fucking movie. But yeah, like, I just don't like this idea of capping yourself of saying this needs to be this short. Like, I just feel like you need to let yourself run free. And I feel like that's, I don't like this direction that Disney's going in <laughs> for the shows. Now, all that being said, I really enjoyed this mini series. I really did. I thought I saw a lot of discourse about the finale on Twitter that I just didn't agree with. I thought it was a really good finale. Yeah, I had some qualms with it, like we're talking about right now, but it didn't ruin it for me. You know, it didn't ruin it for me. So the Sharon thing was definitely the black eye of the whole episode. I um, and maybe the series, other than for me personally, Wyatt Russell's performance. But I would take Wyatt Russell's performance over this cockamamie storyline I, I totally would I just don't it betrays the character in my opinion it really does it really betrays the character of Sharon Carter to be fair we'd only seen Sharon Carter for what like maybe a total of like 15 minutes in the first two movies but yeah the problem is is that this show didn't give her enough supplemental development right like the whole point of a TV show is to develop the characters and Sam and Bucky got developed yeah and the Isaiah Bradley thing was important. I think the show was just, I, I'm not saying I dislike the show, Zach. I like the show a good deal. Oh, yeah, I know. I think they were just trying to do a little too much. 
they had their hands in a little too many baskets. I think that, you know, between the flag smashers and Isaiah Bradley and um, the power broker and Zemo, I, I think they were trying to do a little too much. I, I, For instance, I the, you could have, if it was expanded to a WandaVision length, you could have done a whole episode on a young Isaiah Bradley. Mm-hmm. Just his backstory. You could have done the WandaVision episode they'd done with the flashback with Isaiah Bradley. Right. So the show isn't perfect. Like isn't isn't perfect and it isn't great. It's it's good, right? Like it's the who's like it's the Ted Lilly of TV shows. Sure. You know? Sure. Sure. Throw you bring it to the Cubs, fine. (laughs) Hey, uh, Ted Lilly was a good pitcher. <laughs> he was. He was an all-star. You know, he maybe Ted Lilly was too good, but I can't say Carlos Zambrano. Carlos Zambrano was too good. <laughs> yeah, he was a little too good. He was a little too and good. I, I can't say Mark Burley because then I'd have to I'd have to log off the pod for myself. So <laughs> but just like a really good show, but not anything rising to the level of spectacular. Sure. The Trevor Ariza, perhaps. <laughs> That's a good. That's a better example. Like you know, <laughs> plays in the league for 15 years, isn't ever an all star, but is highly respected. I think this show, I, I I think it's fine, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I I think saying it was bad is just unless far. you're just an outright Marvel agree. hater, then yeah. it's not. I don't like that opinion. But to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> to each their own. Um, and then we get after Sharon kills. Batrock and then Carly, which I have a question about that for you. Do you think Sharon killing Carly is more covering her own ass or genuinely saving Sam? Covering her her own ass. I mean, that was a hundred percent how I took it. Yeah. Like there was no reason for Carly to have to die. There was no guarantee she was gonna shoot Sam. Exactly. I mean, I thought she she wasn't holding back in that fight, so I thought it would It would make sense if she would have shot him, but I would agree with you. I think it's just more of Sharon covering her own ass, you know? Sharon's got to not reveal that she's the power broker somehow. And that could be (laughs) an interesting movie plot. I think that we could see that for sure in the future. That might be the plot of the next Captain America. By the way, we didn't um, discuss that at the top of the show in the news. Captain America 4 with with the same creative team. So It's coming. I'm excited. Like... As much as I'm railing on the show, I think with a more condensed time frame that they have to work within, I think it might be better. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what the movie looks like. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and transition for you here, Zach. Sam um, does a, a Zach Levine through the legs free throw line dunk on the GRC council members. It just absolutely destroys them. <laughs> like, no mercy. I did think the speech was a little too long, but... What did you think of that that whole scene? Just him coming out from saving Carly and then confronting the senator. Well, typical politician. The problem goes away and they think everything's fine. Uh, no. No. Sam, Sam, <laughs> Sam uh, posters every GRC council member. I thought it was... Like I said, I had a problem with the speech in that uh, I don't believe he had that all off the cuff. Just, you know impromptu speech like that but i did think it went a little too long but i thought it was good acting by mackie and 
I don't think it took it didn't take me out of the moment. I paid attention to what he was saying. And Zach, let he who hasn't um just said a whole diatribe after being in an exhausting fight against the flag smashers cast the first stone. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, we get uh then we get Isaiah watching from home and he like nods in approval at Sam taking up the cat mantle, which I thought was was pretty nice. The whole Isaiah wrapping up that storyline, and I think we'll talk about that later in the episode, but I, I really like the way they wrapped the Isaiah storyline. Just like they put a nice little bow on it. And, you know, it was nice to give Isaiah some closure. So that I we'll talk about that more later. But I think that Sam really, you know, we covered all our bases in this episode, right? We saw Torres and like the whole Torres element of it too. That's, that's another thing. Like we just have this character that we got in like the first episode and the fifth one. And then we never like really hear from no, we just of that. see him on his laptop for five seconds here. He's, sit- <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting on like the ground, watching his laptop laying, laying on the ground, live streaming flag smashers versus cap and Bucky. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand that, but we, we just see everyone watching this, right? Like everyone in the known universe and Walker and uh, <laughs> and Bucky watching on the side. Can we talk, can we rewind for a second where um, John and Bucky arrest the uh, Flag Smashers and <laughs> John says an Abe Lincoln quote and Bucky goes, <laughs> he's like, Abe Lincoln? He's like, and John's like, yeah, it sounds good. He's like, not, and Bucky's like, not from you. <laughs> <laughs> he's right they, one thing I'll say they nailed the comedy in the series <laughs> oh yeah they did oh yeah um, Bucky kind of sees the passing of the torch during the speech though he like oversees he's like lets a little smile out sees that hey I think uh, Steve and I were right about this guy yeah and he it was glad because he felt bad because oh if if Sam can't have the shield, then that means I'm a bad person. So yeah, I'm glad he out, he outgrew that, that mode of thinking because that was kind of like what his, you know, basically modus operandi was this whole series. Like, Oh, if, well, if Sam doesn't have the shield then golly shucks, I must be a bad guy. I don't know why I'm making Bucky talk like this, but <laughs> it sounds like goofy. <laughs> yuck, yuck. <laughs> Uh, and then if you thought any of Flag Smashers were going to take up the mantle of Carly, you're dead wrong because they got blown up by Zemo's uh, German Alfred. Or Sokovia Alfred, I'm sorry. Listen, you know, anytime you can blow up uh, the rest of the Flag Smashers, you got to do it. So <laughs> good, good move. Good GM move right there. Uh, and then we get Contessa. Fitting John Walker with the U.S. agent suit, and we get a direct acknowledgement of the idiotic helmet look on Wyatt Russell. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else in the show said it. <laughs> he he just looked like a doofus with the helmet. The helmet. It's probably the helmet. <laughs> he did look like a goof. He looked horrible. And then Alex, the one we predicted, Bucky confessing to his neighbor about his son's death. Uh, were you upset that we didn't see the full exchange here? Because he just kind of tells him and then leaves. And there probably wasn't an exchange after that because the man was probably sobbing. Yeah, that's fair. His, his neighbor, so... No forgiveness, just sobbing and Bucky leaves? I mean, 
why would he have to forgive Bucky though? I mean, like, I, I understand, right? Like, oh, the Winter Soldier did it, but like, to you, an old man living in New York, what difference is there between Bucky and the Winter Soldier that admitted he murdered your son? Right? Like, what? What difference? Like, I understand. I. I probably wouldn't condone no forgiveness there, but I can understand this man saying, you know, you murdered my son. You never came back to me. Fuck you. Get out of my house. Like, I can understand that. That's very human impulse. But Alex, they were friends. Yeah. I mean, if I found out you murdered, you know, my son, I don't think we'd be friends anymore, Zach. Even if you ask for my forgiveness, even if you admitted to me the crime you committed, I, I, it, it'd be a hard time. <laughs> it would take you a while. A while. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you would, be, you were upset you didn't see the full exchange because uh, we only see the guy one more time through a window in the cafe, <laughs> and he seems to be enjoying life. So. It's probably good that he got because the closure was the thing that he wanted. But at the same time, I, I can't I can't put myself in this character's shoes, but because obviously my son's never been murdered, but I don't have a son. But if I did, I hope he's not dead. Um, like, I think that maybe the closure was just what he was seeking, but I think that it's. It's a, it's an interesting conundrum because forgiveness or you know bitterness for the rest of your life. So I I don't know what he is, and maybe maybe in Captain America Vor we'll revisit it, but I seriously doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, then we learned that Bucky has finished his list. He has made amends or at least tried to with all the names on his list. Did took Sam's advice and did that, and then. Sam visits Isaiah one last time. Uh, we learned from Isaiah that the GRC is uh, standing down. They took the poster dunk as a message to not go forward with this. Um, one thing I just want to, before we get to the deep stuff, Isaiah moving trees with ease in his backyard. <laughs> you know? Theorem doesn't wear off, you know? Oh, no. I mean, for like what? He'd be in like his late whatever is at that point like he'd be in his like late i don't know let's just do some quick math he'd be in like his 90s at that point just moving trees <laughs> if i'm doing the math correctly you know for being someone in his late 90s he looks like he's in his 60s so you know he's looking great he's looking great so that's another point of the serum i suppose and then sam takes isaiah and his grandson to see the new statue at the captain america exhibit of Isaiah. Alex, was this the most moving non-death scene in the MCU so far? One of. I mean, like, when they took him to the museum, I knew what was going on. Right? right? Because obviously. But I still appreciate that Sam went out of his way to give Isaiah some of that closure. Right? To give Isaiah some of that recognition that he deserved. So I would probably say yes. One of because I mean the most moving scenes are usually the death scenes in the MCU unfortunately they're not very good at that other stuff but that's why I put non-death <laughs> so I mean we're not working with a lot of candidates here but I mean I, 
even if there were a lot of candidates, I would say that this is this is one of them. So and really, Isaiah uh, finding out that he did want this because the whole time we've known him in the show, he's been saying, I don't want recognition. I don't I don't want uh, people to know what I did. And then he gets the statue and this recognition and he's in tears, you know, embracing this dude that he's known for what, two weeks? We don't know how time has moved in this show. First of all, it's unclear. I, I when we finish discussing this, I'll I'll ask you one of my questions I have, but okay. um, <laughs> that we still didn't get answered from the first episode. <laughs> but oh, I think that it was really good to have to close like of all the loops to close, right? Like the power broker, whatever, the flag smashers, whatever. I think it was really important that they closed the Isaiah one well. Like the, it, this, it was necessary to close it well because it obviously touched on a lot more poignant issues. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Flag Smashers was, you know, like fuck borders, basically. Right. <laughs> like, but even then, I would say that much more poignant to our world was the Isaiah story and the racism and discrimination that he faced. So to close that on a, you know, to give Isaiah some sort of comfort, like who's to say he comforted him all the way, but you know, we saw a bitter, we saw a bitter man and rightfully so through this whole series. And hopefully this, you know, brought the character some, some sort of form, some form of comfort. That was easy for me to say. Um, Zach. Well, it definitely did because we saw it in the hug, you know? Right. I know this isn't going to be the last time we see uh, his grandson, Eli. No. Eli Bradley is uh forget his name in the books because I'll be honest, I haven't read the books since I was I haven't read the books religiously since I was a freshman in college. Uh but I know I know Eli Bradley's name in the books and uh he's he's kind of a major player nowadays from what I understand. So we're gonna like it's kind of gonna be like a a Monica Rambo kind of situation where we get introduced to like this character. Obviously he's not introduced as a hero in this series, but whenever they do young Avengers, that'll be when we get uh, Tommy and Billy back too. I think so. <laughs> when we find out wherever the fuck they're off to. <laughs> that was a weird PSC at the end of WandaVision. The kids calling out. Yeah, that, that, that was weird. It was weird, but can we, can we talk about real quick? Um, real, real small thing. Um, there's this big family thing at the end of the show when they're all in Louisiana again. Yeah. At the dock. And Bucky, first of all, having and Bucky and Sarah slipped off to the boat or something. What, what you, what you that's not my question. Cause that's a definite. Yes. I mean, <laughs> those two had the hots for each other this entire series, but um, first of all, would you let your child do pull-ups on the uh, Winter Soldier's arm. Yes. yes or no? I would do pull-ups on the Winter Soldier's arm. And I would let my child do it. Yes. What if you're taller than Bucky, though? I'll put him on a step stool or something. We'll figure it out. All right. And my, my other point is, does Bucky <laughs> not know how to cook? Because did you see what he brought to the uh, thing? <laughs> what did he bring? I forget. He brought a store-bought cake. Oh, <laughs> especially in Louisiana where they're all about home cooked meals. Oh, well, that's, oh, fuck you. Louisiana good Popeyes, you know? <laughs> like, that's like Cajun. their whole thing. The Cajun cuisine. 
like Bucky, you know. You're telling me store-bought you, chocolate cake isn't part of the Cajun cuisine, Alex. You have a master class. You can afford master class, Bucky. You live in a <laughs> like a massive. I'm just going to assume it's Manhattan. You live in a massive Manhattan apartment. You can yeah. afford master class. He can flip burgers with his arm, with his hand. Buy the Sopranos cookbook, you know? There's there's Sopranos cookbooks out there. Yeah. Cook some mana goats. <laughs> Yeah, come on, some ZD. Let's go. So what? No fucking ZD now. <laughs> <laughs> that that was uh, I whatever song was playing in that scene. I was getting down to that. That was a good song. I need to find out find out what that was. That was a good song. <laughs> I just I wanted to bring that up because it it kind of felt inconsiderate to just not bring uh to bring a store bought cake to the shindig where there surely where the fish has to be amazing. What a day for Bucky, you know, defeat the flag smashers, bed Sam's sister, and let people do pull-ups on your arm. It's awesome. Allegedly on the bed Sam's sister part. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and then we, you know, we kind of touched on the PS scene with Sharon. Uh, unless you have anything else to add to that, um, we can move on to our questions. I got nothing to add to that. Um, the only person I think she could be calling is Contessa. Or maybe. Yeah, may- that's a good Maybe yeah. I'll throw this out there. What the fuck is Nick Fury up to? Oh, little little uh, revenge plot for Nick Fury against the government. You know, hey, listen, if anyone deserves it, it's Nicholas J. Fury. So, yeah, he does. He does. He totally does. Uh, first off, I just want where. Well, I had thoughts on the series as a whole, but we've kind of done that throughout, so we'll skip that. How would you compare and contrast this with WandaVision? Like, which. Which series did you think was better or which one did you prefer? I don't know if I could say which is better because it's not like a fair comparison, right? Like very different. They're structurally, not the same. They're, structurally. They're almost polar opposites. I can't compare the Sopranos to Arrested Development. <laughs> no, you can't. Like, actually, I probably can because the Sopranos is fucking funny, but they didn't have flat tops in ancient Rome. <laughs> <laughs> like... Sopranos is one of the fucking... You look fucking, like a Puerto Rican whore. You disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> that... Oh, God. It's so funny. But, like, I can't compare... Let's just do another show. Like, I can compare BoJack Horseman to The Sopranos, right? Like, I can't... Sure, yeah. You can't compare, like, different genres of shows. And these are completely different genres of show. I don't even know what the fuck genre you would say WandaVision is. Especially after the end. But, like... With the sitcom element and with uh I would say uh, mystery overall. Yeah, that's probably fair. And then this was just straight up like more of an action show, right? It's, yeah, it's straight what it was. So I probably preferred WandaVision more because the the guessing games were more fun every week. Yeah. Like were. and then the uh Agatha reveal was so like epic. But I didn't hate this show. I would just probably take WandaVision over it. What about you? I would add the the Quicksilver reveal in the moment when it happened was epic as well. Not before the Ralph Boner reveal. No, after it, it was very underwhelming, but in the moment, it was awesome. I mean, we were on here like schnooks saying, oh, the X-Men, X-Men are coming, they're coming. <laughs> here's, here's okay, here's a question for you. Better finale between the two shows. What show wrapped it up better? I thought WandaVision wrapped it up better. Interesting. I had less, like there weren't, like for instance, there wasn't an equivalent in WandaVision to the power broker reveal 
that I was just disappointed in. The I, only I was thing more I... satisfied with, I was satisfied with this ending, but I was more so with the WandaVision. The only thing that bothered me from the WandaVision ending, looking back at it with the benefit of the hindsight we have now and not being in that particular moment in time is the white vision thing. Right. Which will that's sure come up later. Yeah. Just, just like I'm sure the power broker thing will, I think those are, you could compare the power broker with the white vision thing. Yeah. Because the white vision got beat by the dumb robot thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like where you just say a paradox to a robot, like it's a TV trope. I talked about this on the one division episode at the time, but you just talk to the robot. You just give it a, a, a confusing problem and then it basically malfunctions yeah and obviously that's not exactly what happened but that's basically what happened right like if you want to be get like real simplified with it i would probably say i enjoyed the wandavision finale more too because um hayward got his comeuppance he got what was coming to him that fucker tried to kill kids that the piece of garbage got what was coming the, and the other thing from the WandaVision finale, having the benefit of hindsight too, and I think this is because they had to shoot the WandaVision finale after the pandemic started. So they kind of had to change the tenor of it. But the Monica, because the Monica reveal was so epic in WandaVision. Yeah. And then that storyline kind of dudded out too. And I think she's obviously going to get her own. She's going to be more involved in Captain Marvel too. Totally. But totally. I... I was kind of a little disappointed with how that storyline ended and then the lack of Darcy in the last episode, but yeah, Darcy I, and Wu got sidelined basically. It's pretty much, it's pretty much even for me. I'll say between the finales. Yeah. As a show, I prefer this. It's just more up my alley. It's just, you know, tailors to my uh, preferences more, but uh, one, I thought both of them were really good shows. They had their flaws, you know, like almost every show does, but they're, I think they're good additions to the MCU overall. Necessary additions, too, because then we get Wanda character development that we didn't have. We get Sam and Bucky development that we didn't have. Hell, we get Zemo development that we didn't have. So I, it's net wins for the MCU, even if the shows aren't like groundbreaking. I would call it, a, I wouldn't even call it a character arc for Zemo. I'd call it a reimagining of Zemo. Like this was totally different from his Civil War persona. Totally different. Who knew five years in the <laughs> Who knew five years in the clink would do uh wonders for your personality? <laughs> for your sense of humor. Um <laughs> uh, and then the question that honestly, out of all the discourse on Twitter, this was the one that I didn't see at all and I was shocked. Did John Walker redeem himself on some level, Alex? I'm gonna say yes, he absolutely did. I think he did. Let me flip this question on you. Did he deserve to redeem himself? That's that's tough. Um, I will say... I'll say yes. He did. It's tough because he murdered a man. Because he right. started out with good intentions. Okay, I'll keep going back to episode two where he was just a good dude trying to do right by the mantle of Captain America. And then because of the pressures of the job and what happens to him along the way. And one choice in particular, taking the serum, uh, you know, makes him and another choice beheading a dude. But, uh, 
I, I think he did deserve to redeem himself. I, th- I think he did. Let he who hasn't taken a, basically the equivalent of steroids and beheaded a dude cast the first stone. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's tough because they. it felt like he was setting up to be the villain, right? I would have rather it have been he say the van like is falling down is about to crush Bucky and uh, Sam and Walker like pushes him out of the way, sacrifices himself. That would be, I think that'd be more fitting. It's, I don't hate having him still around, but like, I'm just kind of disappointed because, you know, it's nice to see a heel turn. You know what I mean? Like, and he turned full heel, you know, to borrow the wrestling term. And I wanted to see him stick with it rather than, you know, be, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. He turned good, right? Like, you know, you like to see characters be good, but at the same time, you know, it's interesting to have more villains. It is. (laughs) There's never such a thing as like, there's boring villains. Yeah. And there's bad villains. Yeah. But I mean, and there's such thing as having too many villains. That's true. But at the same time, with a show like this and ending in six episodes, you could have him for the future and have him be a villain, right? Like, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with him now. Like, when is he going to come back? You know, these are all the questions I feel like you need to ask yourself, but like, is there going to be a, a U.S. agent show? I think that's probably going to be the most likely vehicle that we get John Walker in personally. That or Captain America four, you know, but some, yeah, one of those two, but I want to, I'm going to hold off my judgment till we see more. Yeah, but I I would have liked to have seen him stay bad, personally. That's fair. I mean, I would have. I didn't hate how his arc in this show ended. I didn't hate it, but uh, I thought this was one of this was probably Wyatt Russell's best performance in the show. This kind of uh, it it did a little bit for me in terms of his. His uh, performance as John Walker, I thought he was sometimes just bad at times, but uh, I thought he was good in this episode. So gave me some hope for him as an actor going forward. But uh, Alex, it's time It's time to plug. What, what, what do you got? So Power Hour, last week, just an incredible episode. Last week, we uh, tore... <laughs> we didn't actually tear the Bucks to shreds. Last week, we did the, the Trailblazers, the Pistons, and the Bucks, and we had a good time. You know, we had a real, real fun time breaking down those teams this week. We were going to do the Bulls, but Zach Levine isn't going to play until after Wednesday and Wednesdays are cut off for games. So we're going to we're going to switch. We switch the Bulls next week. We switch them with the Timberwolves. We nice. and we got the Clippers and the 76ers. So that'll be fun. Um, Lynn Sanity is back NFL yeah. offseason this week. And I mean, you guys had a grand old time on the you were on the Lynn Sanity this week. You guys had a. <laughs> When Bryce, it was fun. It was really fun to be back on there with Bryce and Caleb. When Bryce said the predictable thing he was going to say about the Ravens, oh. I was thinking about ripping my hair out. Like, come on, man. <laughs> the I tried Bengals, to stop him in his tracks. I was like, stop. Just stop. I know where you're going. Just stop. Listen, <laughs> I am an NFL schmuck, okay? I don't know shit about it. Mark my words. Even if they draft Sewell. They will not be better than the Ravens next year. That's what I said. I said if they don't draft Sewell, they're going to finish last in the division. And even if they do, they probably will finish last still. I'm not. Listen, we have 70 years of Steelers evidence to know that they're not going to finish 
if they're going to finish last in the division, they're going to be like seven and nine or something like that. <laughs> like, okay. I was doing a paper for our, uh, for one of my grad classes, Zach. Do you know how many times in the last like 50 years, the Steelers have finished under 500 under since 19 five. Wow. <laughs> since wow. 1970. And they've had what? Three coaches in that time. Exactly. Yeah. They had uh Chuck Knoll. They had, who's the guy on CBS now? Bill Cower. Bill Cower. And then they transitioned to Mike Tomlin. So they've had three coaches <laughs> in their like basically franchise history. I think Chuck Knoll was their first coach. Six Super like, Bowls, right? Uh, five, five, I believe. Five. Because they won three in the 70s and then two in the 2000s. So oh, that's that's right. So because I think Ben's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, the yep. Steelers, if the Steelers suck next year, they're going to go like eight and eight or something like that. They're not going to be like. It's impossible. Zach for them to finish. They're not going to go like three and 13. Do you remember the year a couple of years ago when Mason Rudolph was the quarterback a couple for like most of the season and they still finished like at 500? Yeah. They were still in the playoff picture in week 17. Don't, don't ever doubt the Steelers and the Ravens. My God. Oh, no Bryce, shit. Shout out Bryce. We love you, but that was, that was an awful <laughs> take. Um, <laughs> and then uh divine rhyme so they're splitting it into into two episodes but last week was forest hills drive um by all accounts j cole's greatest album and then this week so they recorded for your eyes only yesterday and they're recording kod i believe as we speak so we're gonna probably put both of those out on thursday just like kind of a double header for a divine rhyme there and then triple option pass last week they had their defensive prospects this week zach they're doing a first round mock draft and I can't wait to listen to that. I, I mean, Zach. That'd be great. I mean, if RG, RG will probably pick Sewell second if he if he has him, you know. That's <laughs> that's going to be great. Battleground last week. How'd, that, how'd the battleground last week go? I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I'm fucking with Will on our on our plug doc because he's on here at the same time as us. <laughs> I've changed his schedule this week. He's doing the La Mickey Mouse album on Divine Rhyme. <laughs> um, and I believe Will is putting next month. Fuck off, mate. LMAO. <laughs> uh, on the battleground next week, uh, I imagine we'll be talking about the drafts. Um, also, vote in my poll I tweeted out today. How will the Bengals bungle their draft pick? Uh, I believe something unfathomable is currently leading <laughs> leading the pack, but uh, I voted for something unfathomable. <laughs> I know my mom voted for something unfathomable. <laughs> she was born in Cincinnati. She knows. She knows what goes on there. Um, battleground, yeah. Draft uh, playoffs will be inching near for the NBA, so we'll talk about that. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it for battleground. A lot of teams at the 60 game mark of the NBA season. Yeah. A lot of teams. So we're we're inching closer. Play-in is on the 18th of May, I believe. So we're we're inching closer, Zach. And then uh what do we got coming up on cinema? Cinema, you know, Oscars review on Friday with Cooper. Uh was gonna be Thursday, but then I realized, hey, I want to watch the draft. So I changed it to Friday. <laughs> um Road to Fast Nine, Fast Five next week with Bryce and JD. So the battleground crew getting together to talk about 
what many believe to be the best installment in the Fast and Furious franchise. And then the favorite movies series, Dylan is on next with Parasite, the best picture winner of last year. So check that out. And then Alex, another draft, the best picture draft for the years of 1990 through 2020. You're going to be on it. I can't wait for that one, Zach. It'll be it'll be a whole blast. So it'll be it's an exciting pod because I am going to dominate. And when I say dominate, I'm just going to hope that I, I hold my own. Well, you know, Bryce Shaddy was on here saying he was going to win the sports draft easy. And I believe his only vote was the one he made for himself. So <laughs> Devin, Devin and Ryan or Devin and Bryce got shafted in that draft result. I mean, listen, you and Ryan, <laughs> I said you guys were my winners, but I didn't think it was like that runaway of a result. Well, the people have spoken, Alex, and it was okay. It was. I didn't vote. So, <laughs> you know, I remained impartial. And then finally, one that I've been planning uh, for a while, the 30th anniversary of Boys in the Hood is this year, and I'm having JD and his brother Jamal on to talk about that film. Really a a monumental achievement. Uh, John Singleton, one of, I would say, behind only Spike Lee in terms of influential black filmmakers. So... John Singleton directed an installment in the Fast and Furious franchise. That's right. He's, he's got his hands on everything. Unfortunately, he died a couple years ago. But uh, Boys in the Hood is by far his the master class of his work, and I just think it's I think it's a masterpiece. So I can't wait to have those guys on and talk about it. I haven't seen Boys in the Hood in forever. There is one thing that'll always I'm going to watch it again because it's a great movie. There's one thing that'll always stick in my head though. Ricky. (laughs) The only thing that sticks in my head. What about, uh, (laughs) what about Cuba Gooding's dad's name? Remember? I I don't, I don't remember that. No, it's like, I haven't legitimately haven't seen it in like six years. Furious styles is his name. (laughs) Listen, all right, now I gotta watch it again. So that that's I'll have to take some time out of the boys this weekend, but it'll be a, it'll be a blast. <laughs> That'll be great. And uh, I think that's it, Alex. I think that's all the plugs. I think that I think that's it. Um. Oh, from one young soul to another. All right, I'm gonna do the pow- the one for the power hour this week on cinema. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to go into your house. I'm going to take all your board games, all your card games. Every single game that you have. I'm not going to take your gaming system because that's worth a lot of money. But like Clue, no, fuck you. You don't get to keep your Clue. Monopoly, fuck you. You know? Yahtzee. Yahtzee, fuck them. You know? Um, L, just a, just a regular deck of cards. Fuck you. Uno, Uno, take your Uno cards. Take the Uno cards. You'll have nothing left to do with your family on a wholesome family night. You're going to have to spend $5, which is what you could spend to get from one young soul to another. So, And it's a quick read. I've... Like I said, I helped edit it. I read it twice. It's a good book. And like, listen, worth your money. It's worth not having all your card games stolen. Like, Zach, isn't isn't it worth that at the very least? I mean, you know, I'm a big Uno guy. I don't I don't want anything to happen to my Uno deck. Right. So I will buy the book. Exactly. It's not that hard, people. Come on now. Yeah, come on, let's go. Come on, take our word for it. It's a great book. Dylan Hughes, great writer. So check it out. Uh, Alex, thank you for coming on. Uh, I believe the next time we're going to be doing this will be Loki. Oh, yeah. 
June 6th, I believe that that premieres. I thought I said June 11th. June 11th, yeah, some sometime in there. Actually, uh, Alex, you know what's happening on June 6th? We have some bad news. What's that? Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather confirmed. Listen, confirmed you know. today, just now. <laughs> <laughs> why? Um, I can tell you why. Money, money, uh, money, I money. Tell you why too. Money Mayweather. Seeing the dollar signs can't resist. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you weren't here for the whole ride, but you were here for most of it, and uh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for having me for the, both of these series, Zach. And as always, folks, check out everything on the Running Hook Network. And thank you very much for listening.